when uh, my uh, 13-year-old son, Walker, was six years old, um, he, uh, he had a moment that will kind of live in infamy in our family forever. Uh, he had just learned to begin kind of making some things for himself, some food for himself. He, they would often eat these little um, pancakes, you know, that are frozen. You stick them in the microwave, you know, those, and, and they just eat those with their hands. They, they, they could, that, that was kind of like one of the first things he could learn to cook himself. And we were rushing out the door one day, and I, I have no idea where we were going or what we were doing, but uh, I just remember he said, I want a bagel. And we were like, okay, well, just, you know, the, the toaster oven was a little new to him. But we said, you know, no problem. Listen, I'll never use a toaster. And we said, hey, just stick it in the toaster, and you just, you just turn it to 10, and then you got to turn it back, turn it just under 10, and it'll be fine. And we're getting, at this point, we had a 4, a 6, an 8, and a 10-year-old, and somehow lived to tell about it through that season. And so we're getting coats and keys and everything together, and we're kind of doing that and gathering them. And then all of a sudden, because he was like, okay, I got it, I began to smell something. And I walked by the toaster, and I, I found the culprit. Walker had done exactly as we had told him to do. But what he did not know is that the toaster is not like the microwave. In the microwave, we had taught them you always put things on a plate. But in the toaster, you don't. You especially don't put things in the toaster on our favorite little blue plastic Spider-Man plate. Walker had not only ruined the plate, he had ruined the toaster. There was no turning back. Like, we just ditched the toaster. Like, there's no way. You know, the only way to get the plastic soft again was to heat it up, and then you burn yourself, and then it cools down, and the plastic soft. It was ruined. Now, the interesting thing is Walker did not wake up that morning thinking, I'm going to ruin something today. And he, even in the moment, even in the moment, he wasn't thinking, I'm going to show mom and dad I'm going to ruin the toaster. He wasn't thinking that. Six years old. Here was the problem. He didn't know that what he was doing would ruin the toaster. And sometimes that's a lot like relationships. I'm convinced that no one goes into a relationship thinking, I'm going to destroy this thing. I'm going to sabotage this romance. I, I'm going to sabotage my own relationship. I'm convinced that no one goes into a marriage thinking, I am going to plan for this to end in divorce. I, I'm going to plan to ruin this. You don't wake up one day and say, I'm, how can I ruin that? You just don't know that the thing you're actually doing will ruin a relationship. And they wake up one day, and you go, how in the world did we get here? How, how in the world, why are we so unhappy? Why? After years of romance and love and laughter, why now are we on the brink of divorce? And what couples often don't know is that their behavior and their attitudes and their actions 
were textbook for how to ruin a relationship. You just, you just didn't know it. And I don't want this to happen to you. I don't want you to walk by your relationship one day and go, something's burning. Something smells. Something's not right. Are you doing some things? Could you be doing some things that are ruining your relationship and you don't even know it? At Mountaintop, one of the things we like to say is that we're for marriages. We want to be a place that has healthy marriages. I want your marriage to work. I want you to be fulfilled and to love each other and to serve each other. And I don't want you to get divorced. One of the things I've said that one of my dreams for Mountaintop would be that we would be a place where no one ever gets divorced again. That, that, that would be true of our church, that people would talk around town, all around Birmingham, and say, man, if you go to that church, you're going to have a great marriage. Because we're going to teach on it, we're going to disciple people on it, we're going to challenge you on it, we're going to help you grow on it, because I don't want that to happen to you. And if you have been divorced, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you don't want to do it ever again, and you don't want anyone to ever have to experience it. Marriage, marriage is different from every other relationship. It's the only relationship that requires paperwork. Right? You, you sign papers, and when you decide that you're not going to be friends anymore, you have to sign papers. I had a dear church member at my very first church, a, a sweet little lady whose son was going through a divorce, and I'll never forget the spot I was standing in the church parking lot with tears rolling down her eyes, and she said, Carter, this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through. If marriage is one flesh, then divorce feels just like ripping flesh because this is tearing our family apart. Divorce rips something apart, and I don't ever want that to happen to you. I want to help give you the tools, and I think God gives us some tools. So what I'm going to talk about today, listen, if you want your marriage to end in divorce, if you want to ruin your relationship, then the next three weeks I'm going to give you three surefire ways that you can guarantee it will happen. Follow these three easy steps to end up in divorce court. Follow these three easy steps to ruin a relationship, to break off an engagement, to break off a dating relationship. You can be sure it will work. But I don't think you want that to happen, right? And if you're single and you are hoping to get married, I don't, I think, I don't think you want to go into a relationship not knowing those things. So those of you that are in college or maybe even older high school and you're getting ready for college in a year or two and, and pretty soon those relationships that you have in college are going to start becoming more serious. If you're single adult or single again or if you are engaged or if you are married, no matter if it's been one year or 51 years, this is for you because you can ruin a relationship after 51 years as easy as you can after you've been dating six months. Now, if you're single... And you're like, I'm done with marriage. Marriage is not for me. I guess this series is not for me. Here's what I would, here's what I totally believe. You don't want your friends to have a relationship that gets ruined. 
You don't walk, want to walk with a friend through divorce. You don't want to walk with a friend through a broken heart. So my, what I would love for you is would you just pray for your married friends, for your engaged friends, and for your brothers and sisters in Christ during this series? And, 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 and here's also what I would say. What we're going to talk about in this series, especially today, especially today, a good chunk of this series, but absolutely today, can really can have an impact on any relationship, not just romantic ones. So today, I want to talk about the easiest way, the easiest way to ruin any relationship, but especially a marriage relationship, and that is communicate poorly. If you want to break some hearts, if you want to ruin a relationship, then it's so easy. It's so easy. In fact, you can follow this one, and you want to worry about the other two, you'll go ahead, you'll break it off in a matter of months. Just communicate poorly. See, when you communicate poorly, when I communicate poorly, we can have the best of intentions, but our spouse will never experience it. It won't matter. We can... We can be you can be attracted to one another, but if you communicate poorly, it won't connect. You can have a good heart, but your spouse won't feel it if you communicate poorly. And you can truly love your spouse, but it won't matter because it won't bridge the gap of poor communication. So if you really want to ruin your marriage, all you got to do is communicate poorly. Don't ever tell them how you feel. Don't express your hopes, dreams, or desires. Don't say thank you or you're welcome. Bite back. Speak rudely to one another. When something happens in the bedroom you don't like, don't ever talk about it. Make fun of your spouse, especially in front of others. That one works great. Say mean things about them and the appearance of their body. Crack jokes about your spouse in front of the kids. Get the kids in on it. Don't say I love you often or ever. Don't encourage them. Speak as disrespectfully as you can. And you should huff and puff a lot. Just grunt when you don't like something. When you're angry, make sure you scream at the top of your lungs and use lots of prof profanity. Call them lots of names. Give each other the silent treatment when you're not happy. Don't ever tell them when you spend money, especially lots of it. Don't let them know when you've got a change in your calendar. Let it be a surprise to them when you don't show up to the family dinner. See there? All you got to do to ruin a relationship is communicate poorly. God has a better answer for that. God has a, 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 some wisdom that tells us a better way, how to communicate well. And I think if you're here, I think if you're watching, you want to communicate well even if you find yourself sometimes communicating poorly. We're going to unpack one short little passage today, one proverb. And I love proverbs. They are like God's Twitter. It's like, and Twitter's my favorite social media, and I love, I, so I just love them. It's 180 characters or less, right? And they just, this little proverb, one verse, packs a powerful spiritual punch. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. 
If you got your Bibles, you open up just this one. All you got to do is that one. If you're at home and you got a Bible or your app there, open it up. If you're in the room and you don't have a hard copy Bible, when you leave, grab one at the bookshelf. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Those are, those, that's poor communication. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. I practiced that all week. Did it look good? <laughs> I feel like the fourth musketeer. It's so short. I don't know if you could memorize it today, but let's just try, let's just read this together. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing the one thing that's so great about proverbs is they often kind of give these this alternate uh, kind of a foolish way and a wise way a bad way and a good way and this is no different there's a there's a negative and then there's a contrast of what god would want the positive and and if i would just say it kind of to simplify an already fairly clear verse down this is what i would just say wrong words hurt wise words heal like wrong words pierce, wise words heal. Wrong words, they hurt. Wise words heal. So let's talk a little bit about different kinds of wrong words. Let's talk about different kinds of wrong words that hurt, reckless words that pierce like swords. One of the first is anger, right? When you are angry about something, you never respond well in anger. You're not yourself when you're angry. You can't think clearly. You can't speak clearly. You're literally, and the thing about it is you don't even have to be angry at your spouse, right? Like you're angry at something at work, but then you pop off at dinner. You're angry about a business deal that didn't go right. And you say something a little cutting. You're frustrated with one of the kids, but you take it off. Take it out on your spouse. You're angry about something that happened with your parents. And you say something a little curt. I, I, um, I love this quote from, uh, from, uh, that I heard years ago that says, um, when emotions are high, wisdom is low. Right, when emotions are high, wisdom is Have you ever known that the angrier you are, the more emotional you are, the stupider you get? Have you ever noticed that? Like you just, like all of a sudden, like and you look back and you're like, did I, did I say that? Yeah, your emotions were high. And you just, you pierced right through me. Anger. Anger. Those are wrong words that hurt. Absolutes are wrong words that hurt. You know, absolutes, what are you talking about? Always and never. Here's the funny thing about absolutes. Absolutes aren't absolute. You're like, what are you talking about? That's, that's a lot of words. 
What I mean is that no one never always does something. Right? No one never always does something. Absolutes aren't absolutes. Right? When you speak in an absolute, you aren't talking about an action anymore. You are talking about a character issue. You are attacking their character. You're attacking their character. You're boxing them in and saying that their behavior is encapsulating their whole personhood, just like you're imprisoning them in uh, this one behavior that you're kind of mad at, that you're frustrated at, right? And you're saying things like, you never do the dishes. You're always late for dinner. You never help with the kids. You always choose your friends first. Always? Never? No one never always does something. Here's what's so interesting. When we're saying an absolute, then we're actually speaking a falsehood. We're actually lying to try to make a point. Because no one never always does something. Absolutes. They pierce like a sword. They're reckless words that pierce like a sword. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Sometimes what you think is, is clever is actually a dagger. Sometimes what you think is cute is actually caustic. Um. My sweet, lovely wife sitting right over here. She does not like electric can openers. She likes old school hand crank ones. Is there anybody else likes old school can openers? We got a few. We got those are sisters in Christ right here, babe. <laughs> she doesn't like electric ones. I grew up on electric can openers. So this is we had to figure this out when we got married. What are we gonna do? We're gonna have two. What kind of family are we gonna be? We're gonna be manual or gonna be electric? Well, at some point in, you know, in the marriage, we, we, we kind of had the hand cranks, but then we got an electric one, and, uh, and, and I called her one day. I was on the way home from work, and, and so I was getting ready for dinner. She was, she was getting dinner ready, and, and she was frustrated. She's like, I, I can't get this can opener to work. I, can't, I hate these things, these electric can openers. I'm like, well, it's pretty easy. You just kind of stick it on there. It's got a little magnet. You won't cut yourself. You just put the hammer down. I, well, it just, I can't get it to work. And I said what seemed like a personally, person, I mean, a reasonable response. And I said, I mean, you've got a college degree. I think you can get a can opener to work. <laughs> that did not go over well. She was hurt. You know that scripture that says if your eye causes you to sin, you gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I got home, got out of my trunk, went in the kitchen, got the electric can opener, and put it in the garbage. <laughs> and we haven't owned one yet <laughs> since then. Because we weren't going to have another fight over a can opener. Some of you are like, well, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of naturally sarcastic. 
If you are a follower of Jesus and you are being to be made into the image of Christ, let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus was naturally sarcastic? So are you being more formed into the image of Christ by being sarcastic? What is another one? Tone. Tone. You know this, right? You can, you can say the right thing, right words, the wrong way, and they're harmful. They're cutting. They're piercing. They're reckless. Fine. And isn't this amazing? Isn't this amazing? Here's, here's one. Okay, I'll pick up the kids. Okay, I'll pick up the kids. Whoa. Same words. Same words, right? It's all in tone. The right word said the wrong way with the wrong tone can be just as reckless, just as piercing as the wrong words. And the last one is silence. You, you, when you are in a marriage covenant relationship, you don't get to emotionally cut off your spouse. When you say, I just don't want to talk about it, I don't want to deal with it, that is a piercing no word. That is just as hurtful, just as harmful. Just as harmful as saying something. Now, there's a difference between saying, like, hey, listen, I need to cool off. I, 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 need, to, I need to calm down. I need a minute before we talk about this. But you don't get permission as a spouse to say, I don't want to talk about it. Because you agreed to be in a covenant for better or for worse. And sometimes when it's worse, you got to talk about it. So, you don't want to be a, a wrong word person. You don't want to carry a sword around in your house with your mouth so what can we do to speak wise words what about wise words wise words heal like praise we all like to be told that we've done well they heal Tell them they did well. Tell them they did good. Tell them that dinner was good. That they cut the grass good. That they painted the wall good. That they picked up the kids good. That they parked real good in the garage. Just give praise that they're doing good. Tell them they look good. They smell good. That they just did good. Here's what's so interesting. You know, most psychologists say that you need five positive remarks to overcome a negative remark. So if they went to a job where all they got was pierced all day long, all they got were verbal jabs all day long, reckless words from the people who work for them and the people they work for, man, what a, what a blessing to come home to someone who, who heals, who gives praise. I just say you did good. Encourage. Guess what? There could be sometimes they don't do good. There's going to be sometimes, that they burn dinner, that they drop the ball at work, but you just encourage them. You say, honey, it's okay. You remember, I love you anyway. 
I don't love you because you cook a great dinner. I don't love you because you're great at your job. I love you. You're going to get them next time because I'm here with you. No matter what, no matter how many times you mess up, I'm with you. I just want to encourage you. You're gifted. You're talented. You're going to get that. It may just give them just enough strength, just enough strength to do better the next time, to know somebody believes in them. That's healing. You know, another one is gratitude. This is so earth-shattering. Like, they do something, and you say something. Thank you. Thank you? You just say thank you. You know, most of life is pretty mundane. We pretty much live the same day over and over. We, we get up, you know, I, I have a sweet, Emily comes and she kisses me good morning. I'm in the same spot. I got this little spot where I do my, some reading and some quiet time. She comes in. She's making lunches for a couple of the boys. She's getting waking them up. She's doing all this. She's taking them to work, to, to school. I'm coming into the office. She goes to work. We come home, same time, dinner, all right, do something, hang around the house, go to a ball game, go to a practice, go to a rehearsal, go to a recital, come, you know, eat dinner, sometimes together, sometimes we're in a million different directions, go to bed, crash every night, exhausted. We do the same thing over and over again. Your life's probably the same thing. It's very mundane. You would be amazed if when those mundane days that most people don't even feel noticed, if you just noticed and you said, honey, Thank you. Thank you for doing the laundry. Thank you for cutting the grass. Thank you for picking up the kids. Thank you for getting dinner ready. Just thank you. Another wise word, be curious. Be curious. Listen, you're going to have disagreements, right? You're, you're going to have uh, times that you can't quite see eye to eye. A and you just say, hey, I'm curious, why do you think that way? I'm curious, what, wh why did you come to a conclusion that's a little, little different than mine? I'm just curious. Keep your curiosity up. Don't think you know them just because you've been married for 25 years. I'm just, honey, I'm just curious. I'm curious. Curiosity is a good thing. It says, I, I, I may have been married to you for 20, 25 45 years. We've been dating for 18 months, but I want to know you more. And if we disagree, hey, help me understand why you think that way. I want to be curious. I don't want to argue with you because I love you. Be curious. And the last one is listen. Communication is a two-way street. And this is the good kind of silence. Right? I'm going to listen to what you say. I want to hear your perspective. I love what uh, one of my favorite old preachers uh, that taught on marriage used to always say his wife would grab his face and say, listen to me with your face. <laughs> right? Boy, it can be easy like I'm clicking through. Uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm. What'd you say? Do I have to write a paper on it? Right? I mean, I don't know. Listen. Listen. So in light of all that, in light of the Proverb 12, 18 that says reckless words pierce like swords. And the tongue of the wise brings healing. To your words. It's a question. Hurt 
or heal? Do your words hurt or heal? Are they reckless or refreshing? Are they a sword that pierces or a band-aid that binds up a wound? Do they hurt or heal? You know why this is so important? Because most affairs don't start in a bedroom. They start when someone has been home and they've been pierced. When they're at home, all they hear is sarcasm and anger. All they hear is cutting words and put down and discouragement. And they walk into an office or a bar or a restaurant and someone that they're not married to says, Thank you. You look nice. You smell nice. You're so smart. And I just want to tell you something. When you're in a relationship and at home, all you do is get pierced. And you walk out into a world and someone else starts putting band-aids and healing on the wounds that are coming from home. Friends, you're in trouble. Because that is a recipe for how to ruin a relationship. And you don't want to do that. You want to live with the wisdom of the writer of Proverbs who says, no, I want my words to bring healing. Nobody, nobody is going to talk to my spouse better than me. Nobody's going to be sweeter. Nobody's going to be more kind. Nobody's going to be more praising, more encouraging, a better listener. Nobody is going to communicate with my spouse better than me. Do your words hurt or heal? Some of you are like, oh boy, oh boy. So I want to close this out today with with something that sort of seems a little almost silly and almost kind of, um, I don't know, it's, it's just this little line I came up with, but I just thought it would be a vow that we could say together, and it rhymes, so maybe it'll help you remember. But I'd love for you to just put this into memory because as you leave here, my whole thing is I want to give you tools to actually live this out, to live the Scripture out in your homes, in your relationships, in your dating relationships and I hope that this will come to mind because there's going to come a time you're going to get out and you're going to be tempted to say something sarcastic or to say something in anger. And so here's what I would just say. Could this just be our vow? No matter how I feel, I will not speak words that hurt, but rather words that feel, that heal. Would you just say that with me? No matter how I feel, I will not speak words that hurt but rather words that heal. Let's just do it one more time. At home, if you're there, you can type it in the chat or say it with us at home. No matter how I feel, I will not speak words that hurt, but rather words that heal. Heavenly Father, when we walk out of this room, 
and it all sounds good right now and we're going to have days full of tension and anger and disappointment and frustration and we're going to have feelings that are going to make us want to say words that hurt. And my prayer, Lord, is that we would remember your word and stand on the promises of Scripture and to say we do not want us to be reckless in our words. We don't want to communicate poorly because we don't want to ruin our relationship. We want to be people who speak into our spouse's lives and restore our relationship and bring healing. I pray this in Jesus' name.